You're listening to Open Mic Friday on Law and Gospel on this December the 3rd in the year of our Lord 2021. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and we're going to be examining a book and a movie that has come out on the basis of the book called The Shack. But before we do so, you may have noticed that at the end of the program for a little bit, we have a new way of supporting law and gospel. Law and gospel is now regarded by the United States government as a nonprofit 501c3. That means that any funds given to law and gospel are tax deductible, and you will receive a letter indicating the amount to subtract from your income tax at the end of the year. So, how do you send us a check? The address is Law and Gospel, Post Office Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. And at this time, We need around $7,000 to pay expenses. So if you can all help us out, we sure would appreciate it. So without further ado, (coughs) let me sneeze, excuse me, and let's talk about The Shack. The Shack is a book by Canadian author William P. Young that was published in 2007. The novel became a USA Today bestseller, having sold one million copies as of June 8, 2008. It was number one paperback trade fiction seller on the New York Times bestseller, and it is for sale on Amazon beginning around $4, and you can get also the movie. Now, the movie was released on March the 3rd, 2017, 10 years later after the book. Directed by Stuart Hazeldine, written by John Fusco, and has some very good actors. Now, the point we want to make, though, is what is the shack about and why am I spending time on it here on Law and Gospel? Well, I like reading books that have a Christian accent to them. And I just saw the movie last week. I hadn't seen it before. And though I would have some questions about what is in the book, I was really quite amazed how well the movie is written, not just from a Christian point of view, but from a Lutheran point of view. What do I mean by that? Let me give you a little summary of the book. There is a husband and wife, Mac and his wife, Nan, and they have three children, and one of them is a little girl, four or five years old, named Missy. Now, Nan, when she talks about God the Father, the wife, 
she uses the term Papa. And Mac doesn't like that because the opening scene in the movie, Mac is a, a boy, oh, about 12 years old, and he sees his father hitting his mother. And he tries to step in and he gets hit by his father. So he doesn't have a very good understanding of fathers. And therefore, referring to God as Papa just really disturbs him. Well, what happens, Mac takes his three children to the beach. And there are many people there. And two of the children are out in a boat. And the daughter starts dancing in the boat. And it's kind of like a canoe. And it overturns. And under the boat is Mac's son. He can't get out because the boat is covering him. So he runs, jumps in the water, brings both of them to shore, and they are fine. Yes, they're resuscitated, and everyone is happy. Until Mac realizes that the little daughter he had, Missy, is missing. They cannot find her. So the next scene has many police, and they start a search for her. And the police mentioned to him that there is an individual in the area who is a pedophile, and he has already taken some children, and they'll do the best they can in finding Missy. He finally gets a call from the police, and they take him to a cabin, which is a shack, and there is evidence that Missy was put to death there. He is very, very sad. He returns home, and the relationship with the wife begins to fall apart because he thinks she's blaming him. The daughter doesn't like talking to him because she's the one that was jumping up and down in the boat dancing. They made the boat overturn and made Nan find them and not be looking at Missy. Well, one day he's in his driveway clearing the snow, and the snow is very deep. But as he's looking at his mailbox, he sees the box is open, yet there are no footprints at the bottom of the box. But there's a letter inside, and the letter says, I'd love to talk to you. Come to the shack and it's signed Papa. Now, he thinks his neighbor put it there, but his neighbor says, no, I would never do anything like that to you, not after your daughter is missing. He even went to the post office, and the post office says, well, there's no postage on it, so we didn't send it. And so about four years after the missing of his daughter, still not knowing what happened to her, he decides to go to the shack. He borrows his neighbor's truck, and when he arrives at the shack, when he had first seen it, it was really a dilapidated place. Things were kind of thrown around in the house. The house was kind of almost falling down. But now 
he sees it from afar as a beautiful building, a wonderful house, and he hears talking and laughter going on in the shack. And so when he gets in there, to make a long story short, he discovers, guess, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, this is an area where a lot of people don't like the book because the Father appears as a black woman. Later, near the end of the film, he appears as a white man. The Son appears to be, well, an Indian, and he's Jesus. And then the Holy Spirit, I I think, is a Chinese woman. And the three of them have conversations with Nan about what happened to him. It is in the movie that these conversations, in my view, are spectacular because they have a view of reality that is really close to the Bible. For, for example, Nan doesn't like the Papa because he can understand that if she is so loving, why did she allow Missy to be taken and killed? He cannot understand that. And so he's kind of a lot, a lot like Martin Luther, who used to hate God. Because when he read in the scripture that we are to be righteous in order to get to heaven, he assumed that we had to mimic the righteousness of God, which he was totally unable to do. Because Martin Luther is a poor, miserable sinner like all of us, deserving nothing but temporal and eternal punishment. So Nan was arguing with Papa, and the arguments were really quite enlightening. The fact is, is that Papa denied that she or he was someone who had concocted this terrible thing to happen to Missy. No. It was sin that did that. And we're living in a sinful world. It was a very, very good conversation. As to the father appearing first as a black woman and then later on as a white man and Jesus appearing first, well, always as an Indian and then the Holy Spirit uh, as a foreigner. People really have a problem with that. I don't. And the reason I don't is because God changes his view that we have of him, even in the Bible. For example, the most obvious one is how does the Holy Spirit appear at the baptism of Jesus? He appears in the form of a dove. How does Jesus appear on the road to Emmaus? All it says is that his face was altered 
So the two disciples did not even recognize him until the breaking of bread after he had given them a Bible study on what the Bible had to say about his crucifixion and his resurrection. Even God the Father could not be seen face to face by anyone, but when Moses was on Mount Sinai, he could see the backside of the Father, whatever that means. In in other words, God can change his shape and what he looks like. It's kind of interesting to think about what's God going to look like when you and I get to heaven. Will he be like he looked like when he was here on earth? Will he have a altered face? We don't know, but we will recognize him for sure. It's the conversations that are really, in my point of view, kind of excellent. For instance, Jesus uh, takes Nan out on a boat. Well, he has Nan get in the boat and he rows to the middle of the lake and all of a sudden the boat starts filling with water. And Nan thinks he's going to drown. And Jesus says, no, keep your eyes on me. And Nan does that, and the water disappears from inside the boat. Then what happens is really quite interesting from the point of view of the movie. Jesus walks on the water to Nan, who's in the boat. And he tells him, now you get out and walk with me. And Nan, of course, says, no, I can't do that. He says, with me, you can do it. So he takes Nan's hand, brings him out of the boat, and sure enough, both of them end up walking on the water. Now, I I thought maybe they're just near the shore where there are some stones. I'm trying to figure out how they did that from a movie point of view. But they end up walking all over the lake. There can't be stones everywhere. So it's really well done from a movie point of view. How they did it, I'm not sure. But obviously, the actors can't walk on the water. But Jesus could. And therefore, he got Nan to do it. And Nan tried it later on by himself, and he couldn't walk. And Jesus called out to him, You need me to help you in whatever you are doing. I I thought that was a great point because that's what Jesus himself says in the Bible. Without me, you can do nothing. Jesus takes him to a path that's leading up a hill. And he tells Nan, go up the hill. And then walks up the hill, and he enters into a large room. And there is a woman sitting on kind of like a big chair, a throne. And she calls herself Wisdom. Now, I'm doing a Bible study right now at the churches on wisdom from the book of Proverbs. And it is very clear that wisdom is none other than than Jesus himself. 
Now she appears as a woman, but Jesus can change his alteration. And so I'm assuming that from a biblical point of view, wisdom is also Jesus. And they have a tremendous conversation. She says, today we're going to switch places and you're going to be the judge of people. And Nan goes up on the throne and she begins to ask him questions. She says, well, what would you do if, and then she begins to list sins that people have done. And in each one of them, Nan says, that person should go to hell. That person should go to hell. And then she gets, of course, what about the man who did to your daughter what he did? Oh, he should definitely go to hell. Then she's standing below him, and what appears are his other two children who are also sinners. She reminds him that his older son has lied to him a number of times and his daughter has done things contrary to his will. So she says, from your point of view, they deserve hell, but I'm going to give you a choice. You decide which one goes to hell and which one goes to heaven. He's sitting on the throne and he can't bring himself to make that decision. He just can't. And it is at that point that wisdom says, now you understand Papa. Papa doesn't want to send anyone to hell, but people go to hell because they really deserve it. But there's another brilliant scene where the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, take him to a big field. And on the other side of the field, he sees lights. And these are people who are really already with Jesus in heaven. And he sees someone walking towards him, and it's his daughter, Missy. And she's having a wonderful time in heaven. Of course, she's in the spirit because judgment day hasn't come yet. But God had taken her after her death and giving her a time of bliss and wonder. Then he sees another person walking towards him. And he says, who is this? And Papa says, go down and see him. And he walks down into the valley and he meets his father. His father who had been beating up his wife. His father who even hit Nan himself when he was a little boy. And he's in heaven. And the father says, I'm so sorry for what I did. Will you please forgive me? And because of what Nan has gone through, he has just seen Missy, he forgives him. That's really wonderful. 
But then there's a conversation where Papa appears as a white man, older, and he says, I need to be a father to you right now for what I'm going to ask you to do. And what does he ask Nan to do? He asks Nan to forgive the person who killed his daughter. Well, you can imagine, Nan just doesn't want to do that at all. And I find that true even among Lutherans, that they really have a hard time forgiving someone when something bad has happened to them. Maybe they're a storekeeper and a robber comes in, robs the store, and maybe hurts their daughter by shooting her or whatever. It's really hard to forgive. But after some great conversation from a biblical point of view, Nan then says, I forgive him. Now, I wondered about that because we don't see the man who was the pedophile. We don't see him at all. And there's no repentance on his part. So the question a lot of Christians have, do I have to forgive people who are not repentant for what they are doing? And the more I thought about it, I I realize what forgiveness really is. Forgiveness is not turning around and now liking a person that you didn't like a few minutes before. It's not wanting to become friends with them. No, what is forgiveness? If we recall that Jesus forgave us, it means that he did not hold us accountable for our sins. To forgive someone doesn't mean that you want them to get off scot-free. For example, when I was a taxi cab driver and I got robbed, I forgave them and then went to the police to get them arrested. That's not a contradiction. Because what was my forgiveness to them? It was that I was personally not going to get even with them. I wasn't going to run after them and try and arrest them with a gun. I wasn't going to run them over with the car that I was in. No, I forgave them which means I did not hold them accountable. But then I called the police and let God hold them accountable. So it didn't bother me that the pedophile wasn't seen. In fact, I interpreted it to mean that he wasn't in heaven and so forth, and therefore he could still be forgiven because forgiveness comes from us. It's not on the basis of his attitude. And the evidence I can give you for that, Jesus is on the cross. And what is one of the words that is recorded? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. He's talking there not only to believers or about believers, but also about unbelievers. Now, There is some information about what the author of the shack believed. And he did write something where he denies the existence of hell, denies that sin separates us from God, 
denies that we must believe in Jesus to be saved and denies that Jesus was a sacrifice for our sins and thinks we can repent and be restored to God even after death. Fortunately, none of those items are found in the movie. They're instead wonderful conversations between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and also wisdom that totally changes the life of Mac. And Nan. Nan is his wife. Mac is the husband's name. So the ending of the movie, Mac is back home with his wife, showing great love to his children because he is now content that he doesn't have to worry about Missy anymore, that God the Father has kept his word and that she is safe and sound. So, if you get a chance, you can go to Amazon.com, buy the book. You can also buy uh, the movie there. And I also will tell you that it's on YouTube at no cost. You go to YouTube, type in The Shack, and you'll be able to see it. Now, it's through a computer. But listen carefully to the conversations between the Trinity and Mac as he comes to a decision that he can forgive. And we'll talk about that with a real Bible verse on Monday's Law and Gospel. Join us. God bless. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check out to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.